Hello, it's JP and welcome to the podcast. Continuing a little series talking to people who are living on their own during the pandemic. In this episode, it's Anne-Marie and she's a support worker who lives in Wiltshire. Hello, Anne-Marie. Can you hear me? I can hear you. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. This is a funny carry on meeting up on the Zoom, isn't it? Yeah. Just have a chat like this and then you can decide at the end, are you happy or you're not? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I don't want to listen to it though. Oh, you don't have to. You don't have to listen back. Don't think anybody else does. it been like for you being on your own then? Well I'm a support worker for guys with learning difficulties. Because I'm a, a key worker I've been working all the way through so in that respect it was kind of normal um, but of course everything else was weird and going to shops and everything, literally everything else was completely weird. I couldn't see my friends or anything like that. Uh, or we had a little neighbourhood support group and people just went shopping for each other and people that couldn't get out and people that were shielding. Uh, they went for prescriptions for people and stuff like that. So because I was working long hours, I actually benefited from that. I put my name down as a volunteer, but I ended up being <laughs> a beneficiary. You were having to go into work. You, you couldn't work from yeah. home, obviously. Yeah, no, that's right. Because I actually support these guys in their own home to do everything that they need support with from domestic duties to shopping to anything that they need really. It's three guys in their 20s and they've got Down syndrome so they can do a lot of stuff themselves and they just need support with things. So you go in and you you do day shifts and, and night shifts too I suppose? I do one day shift a fortnight the rest of it is actually sleeping there so I sleep there about three nights a week so I kind of lived there half my life, really. So even during all this, you weren't stuck at home then by any means? No, I wasn't. But it still kind of felt weird because it was a relatively new job. I'd only started going to these three guys just as lockdown started. I'd been somewhere else before that. So in that respect, it was all kind of strange. What was it like trying to explain to the guys what was going on? Uh, They kind of got it quite easily. They knew that there was like... A disease that they could catch and that every a lot of people could catch if they weren't careful and if they carried on going to their activities and things like that. So they just they they kind of got it pretty quickly actually, and uh, they were quite happy to stay at home a lot of the time and not do much. Mm. What about you personally? How did you feel about the whole thing? Well, I tried not to be scared because there's no point really. I mean, three years ago I had cancer and I wasn't really scared then because there's no point. You've got it, so there's nothing you can do about it. Um, just try and crack on with stuff. So I tried to take the same attitude towards this, and I just tried to follow the guidelines and do sensible things. Like myself, you live on your own at home. Yes. Uh, how long have you been living on your own? Uh, let's see, probably about four years, maybe. Oh, that's nothing. That's <laughs> nothing. I, I've done about 25 well I've been a serial living on my own person so you know you get these relationships they turn up and then they go and then in between you're on your own type thing 
Have you been married or anything in the past? Or Yeah, I've been married a couple of times. Oh, a couple of times, right. <laughs> yeah. And children? No children. No, no, no children, no. right. So what happened with those? Well, the first one was just ridiculous. I was 18 and it just shouldn't have happened, really. It was just, just seemed like a good idea at the time, I suppose. But it did last a few years, but then I came to my senses and left. And then the second one, we just, it just kind of fizzled out. I mean, we stayed friends. Um, but that's all we were, really. So, yeah, he's a good chap. Do you like being in a relationship or do you prefer being on your own or is there a bit of both? Well, it depends who you're in a relationship with, I suppose, and the intensity of it and things. I mean, once you start living with somebody, they can very quickly start to get on your nerves and start doing little idiosyncrasies and breathing in a funny way and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, no, he's doing that thing again. Don't breathe like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> in fact, stop breathing. Yeah, you do get to that stage quite quickly sometimes. <laughs> so would you say you would get annoyed easily? <laughs> no, I get irritated. Well, you know you bicker with people that you're close to. Yeah. Um, we never, I never really had big bust-ups with people. It just all the little niggly things get to you after a while, don't they, I suppose? Like in any close yeah. relationship, I think it does. When the pandemic started, did it change your perspective on living on your own? It didn't make me more, more or less scared, but I, I did wish there was somebody there that I could share things with because obviously there's no one that you, at all that you could speak to unless you ring somebody up. You can't can't really have an in-depth conversation about any, anything with anybody when you live on your own in person. But then when this started, there was nobody that I could have an in-person conversation with. So, yeah, in that respect, I did kind of wish there was somebody in the house. So you haven't got children or anything, but what about no. parents, brothers, sisters or anything? So I've got a half-sister, but neither of us has got any other siblings, so we refer to one another as my sister, although we never lived together. I don't see her very often, but it's one of those relationships like when you have a really good close friend and you don't speak to them for a long time and you just kind of take up where you left off last time. And You feel very much as close sisters then? Yeah, yeah, we do actually, yeah. I don't know why, don't know why. I met her when I was 24. I was 24 and she was 19. Oh, right. And, but you knew about her, did you? No? Yes, I did, yeah, yeah. So I went, I went through all that time knowing that my dad had a different, you know, family. Then eventually one day I just told my mum that I wanted to meet my dad because I hadn't seen him either since I was a baby. So I didn't really remember him. So obviously my mum was still quite bitter about the fact that she wasn't with him anymore, even though it was 20 odd years since they split up. But she reluctantly agreed that I could meet him. And I, I went down to stay with him and his wife at the time and my sister lived with them so what was it like meeting your father then I can still still say it in my mind's eye I got off the coach and he was just there we just recognized each other straight away so there there is a thing that makes people who are related to each other know somehow like the way I get on with my sister there's there's some kind of kinship ties are different from relationships with other people. I don't know how we recognised each other. I hadn't seen a recent photo of him. I don't, I don't think he'd seen one of me, but he just stepped forward and said, I'm Marie, and yeah, I knew it was him. How did you feel and how did he feel about 
that gap of not seeing each other for so many years. Was there an apology or anything? No, I don't think we ever discussed it, really. I mean, it was enough that we were then seeing each other, that we were in each other's lives. I didn't feel as though anything was lacking in my life, but once I'd met him, I felt as though my life was more complete. I know you mentioned that he committed suicide, is that right? Yeah, that's right, yes. When I went home one day, there was some police at the house, and they, they told me. We didn't have mobiles, it was 1993. And so I had to go up the road to the phone box to ring his partner and find out what had actually happened. She couldn't get it out for ages and eventually she just said, well, he did it himself. He didn't leave a note. So nobody knows why. No clue. That must eat away at you too, you know, why did that happen? Yeah, you have to, when something like this happens, yeah, I think you have to kind of come to, to an arrangement with the situation yourself, otherwise it would drive you bonkers. So I thought, well, you know, at least he was able to decide how and when he died. And most of us don't have that. You know, we could die in a hideous accident or get horrendous illness and suffer. And he just chose to go then. I know it's not an ideal solution, but that was how I dealt with it. What about your mum then? How was the rest of her life after he left? I think she was fairly bitter. I mean, she had a few boyfriends, but they were all married. Ridiculous. So I had like about three uncles when I was little. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, they were like, I think one of them was a professor and one was a lecturer and and one of them was actually a child psychologist. Um, But, you know, they couldn't survive, obviously, because these men were all married. She never lived with anybody else after my dad. She went into a nursing home in like a couple of years or so ago because she had dementia. She'd been kind of in and out of hospital over the past year just because she was like frail and she had odd bits of things wrong with her. And the last time she was in hospital was actually January this year. And I went up to see her. She had no idea who I was, but she knew I was just like some kind of person who visited her sometimes. She actually had what they called aspiration pneumonia. I think that's where you breathe something in that you shouldn't have breathed in and it causes pneumonia. So I'm pretty sure it wasn't COVID because I don't think she could have recovered from it. And she did recover from that and went back to the nursing home. But then in April, she just declined and and just died. And on the death certificate, it just said dementia. But because it was during really strict lockdown, there couldn't be a funeral at that time. And so the only option was a, a cremation, which she didn't really want. I think, I know she wanted to be buried, but that was the only option. And because I live in Wiltshire and she lived in Leeds, I couldn't, and I can't drive, so I couldn't go up there. And all you were allowed to do was just stand outside the crematorium and watch the coffin go in. You couldn't actually go into the crematorium at that time. So a friend of mine very kindly went over there and just did that for me and just relayed back what had happened. And then last month, actually, we actually had a proper burial of the the ashes. But it turned out, in a way, better than could be expected because she wanted to be buried in the same graveyard, preferably in the same grave as her parents. 
Um, and that graveyard's been full for donkey's years. Because because it was only a small casket, because she'd been cremated, it was possible so now that her ashes are actually buried in the same grave as my grandma and granddad. So it turned out well in the end, yeah, yeah. in a funny way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That must have been hard for you not being able to go to the, to the funeral then. Well, I think the burial was, for me, the funeral because... I mean, it wouldn't have made any difference if I'd been at the crematorium or not, because it would just literally have been standing outside and watching the coffin go in. And there was no service. It was literally just the undertakers going in and and the people in the crematorium doing their job. So for me, the whole thing was the the thing that took place in September, which was just me and the vicar doing a little graveyard, uh, graveside service. Oh, that's right. It sounds quite nice, that actually. It was. Yeah, I think she'd have been happy with it in the circumstances. Yeah. One thing I ask everybody is, why do you think you're on your own? Well, <laughs> why? I don't know. You need to ask everybody else that, really. Why am I on my own? Maybe I'm a horrendous person that nobody wants to spend any time with. I don't know. <laughs> well, that, that would be a very easy answer. <laughs> that, that would be the easiest one to come up with. <laughs> that is the answer. I don't know. I don't know. Why am I on my own? Why is anyone on their own? My answer would be because, uh, probably because I've chosen it, yeah, that yeah. path. I don't, I don't know if I have chosen it. I mean, I'm not fighting people off at the door, so it's other people that have chosen for me, really, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I could, you know, I could suppose I could change it if I really, really, really wanted to because I could go on dating websites and... But, you know, there's other things to do in life, aren't there? What sort of other things do you do then <laughs> when you're not on, on dating sites? <laughs> I've never been on a dating site. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, ironing. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something actually that kept me going through this and, and in general. I stopped kind of listening to the radio as much or at all, really, especially the news. A, because of Brexit and then because of COVID, because it wasn't really news. It was just people saying their opinions about what might happen. So I, I'm a really big cricket fan and I listen to cricket podcasts. So that is one thing that's been really helpful to me during this time. Just non-stop cricket has helped. Yeah. What's the comfort you get out of the cricket then? I was brought up with cricket, so I've always loved it. And the podcasts I listen to are just literally people talking about cricket. So I suppose there's no limit to what you can say about it. <laughs> Thanks very much for doing this, and it's been really nice talking to you. I'll just put it out, you know, next week or someone just on, on a wee podcast thing and let you know and just say there's where you can listen to it. No, I'm not yeah. gonna listen to it. Oh you're not gonna you're not gonna listen to it. That's no, I'm not. No. <laughs> well, then I won't tell you. Thanks for listening. And if you've got a story, do get in touch with me. You can DM me on Twitter at Devlin underscore JP, or you can email jpdevlin at me.com. And I'll see you next time.